another episode of unwise girls i'm your host jacqueline and i'm your other host jane and we're your premier podcast all about the books of rick riordan today we're talking about chapters 18 through 20 of the last olympian the final book in the percy jackson the olympian series yeah we really got to start emphasizing that we're a podcast about all of rick riordan's books kind of thing <laughs> yeah yeah because we're gonna be uh hitting those Kane chronicles real soon yeah and I think we're going to start, this will be a bonus, but also probably will get occasionally released on the feed is that we're going to go back to some of his older books too. Some of his uh, mm-hmm. more adult books. He, he used to write some, some pretty, some fucked up little, little books. Some, some smutty little numbers. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I don't want to say that. For all we know. They could very well be. Listen, all, I, all I'm saying is that plenty of people will publish things like that and then go on to actually publish things in uh, mainstream publications. You know, I guess that's true. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, Jacqueline, I believe that you have written some funny little summaries for us. That's correct. We're we're in, like, the second to last episode of this part. Yeah. Which is fucked up to think about. Well, that, that depends. We're going to do the movie, right? We're going to do the movie, but also, okay, we're going to do a wrap-up episode for the series. Uh-huh. We're going to do the the Sea of Monsters movie. We're going to do the musical. Oh, uh, fuck, I forgot about the musical. We're going to do some, like, mini books that there are. There, there's some stuff still. Oh, right. I thought all of those were kind of compiled in the Demigod files. No, 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 no. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I would love to read summaries. Let's go. Chapter 18. My parents go commando. Percy and his group rush out to the bottom of the Empire State Building, where Kronos and his vanguard are approaching. In between them is Chiron, who despite his greatest efforts to stop his father, still gets blasted into the side of a building. Annabeth charges Kronos as well, but she's countered effortlessly. Just as Cronus prepares to murder her, Mrs. O'Leary, Nico, and the full force of the House of Hades ride into battle. Unfortunately, before the tide can turn, Cronus's frustration heightens and he closes the magic barrier to just surround the building. While the Titan Lord takes his vanguard inside towards Olympus, the battle outside restarts, but Percy's distracted from it for one big reason. Everyone in Manhattan is starting to wake up, including his mom and her boyfriend. The armies of the dead continue to fight off the monsters, and Nico rushes to protect pedestrians. But Sally and Paul don't wait for the help. Paul grabs a sword and starts stabbing Draconae, and Sally takes out a Lacerogonian giant with a shotgun from a nearby cop car. They assure Percy they'll be fine, and after quickly requesting that Mrs. O'Leary dig Chiron out of the rubble, Percy ascends to Olympus. Chapter 19. We Trash the Eternal City as the connection between Olympus and America fades, the bridge connecting the Empire State Building to Olympus dissolves, trapping Percy, Thalia, Grover, and Annabeth in the godly realm. Kronos has been tearing the whole place apart, and a statue of Hera almost falls on Annabeth, but Thalia pushes her out of the way and is trapped in the process. They move on into the throne room without her, and inside, face down with Kronos once more. 
After an exchange where Annabeth tries to call out to Luke but gets tossed back, Kronos commands Ethan to kill Percy, but with a combination of a heartfelt appeal from Percy and some inspiring nature music by Grover, he charges Kronos instead. Unfortunately, the Titan is still invulnerable, so the blade shatters off and pierces Ethan's stomach, and if that didn't kill him, then Kronos sending him through the cracks of the palace and into the open sky probably did. The battle continues until Kronos shows Percy a vision of Typhon's approach at the Hudson River. The gods are facing an impossible task, until the surprise arrival of Poseidon, the army of Cyclopes led by Tyson, who combine their power with the gods to chain Typhon down to Tartarus. The battle resumes, and Kronos quickly disarms Percy, sending Riptide through a fissure, but Annabeth blocks Backbiter with a knife that Luke gave her all those years ago. She speaks directly to Luke, telling him that his mom saw his fate as told in the prophecy, and reminding him of the promise he made that they would be a family. Kronos takes the opportunity to strike her, but Luke can't bring himself to deal the final blow, and Percy fights through the slowed time effect of Kronos to get to them. Luke's body begins to glow, and he pleads with Percy to give him Annabeth's knife before Kronos can assume his immortal form. Remembering Rachel's word that he is not the hero, Percy gives Luke the knife, and he stabs himself in his one vulnerable point. As Luke lay dying by the hearth, the ashes of Kronos surrounding him, Annabeth comforts him with one final conversation. The gods finally arrive, and Percy demands a shroud for the son of Hermes. Chapter 20, We Win Fabulous Prizes. The three fates, who Percy hasn't seen since he was 12 years old, take Luke's body away, only interrupted by Hermes arriving to bless it. Percy understands Luke was the hero of the prophecy, and to the end, he kept his care for Thalia and Annabeth as his last connection to the world. The next few hours are a rush of activity. Sally is signaled that Percy is safe, Thalia and Chiron both are recovered, Annabeth is healed, Percy finds out Rachel ran away, God knows where, sometime after the battle ended, Hades and Nico are accepted into the hall as heroes, Clarice is even praised by her dad, Hera decides she won't kill Annabeth anymore yet, uh, Dionysus' sentence at Camp Half-Blood is halved and he even starts to call Percy by his name right, uh, Tyson reunites with Percy and Poseidon hugs his son for the first time. Then, the Council of the Gods convenes to sing their own praises, as well as laud the bravery of the Camp Half-Blood's heroes. Thalia is promised help in replenishing the Hunters. Tyson is promoted to be a general of Olympus's armies. Grover is appointed to the Council of Cloven Elders and made a Lord of the Wilds. Annabeth is given the spot of leading architect in the rebuilding of Olympus. And finally, Percy comes before the gods and is promised by Zeus one wish. Zeus fully expects this wish to be the granting of godhood, and Percy is tempted, but he's reminded of how he felt when he thought Annabeth was going to become a hunter, and he thinks about his fallen friends, and Ethan, and Luke, and what their deaths meant, and he makes a different wish instead. Percy has the Olympians make a solemn oath upon the river Styx that they will grant his wish, and then tells it to them with no words minced. From now on, Every child of every god will be claimed and given a place at Camp Half-Blood by the age of 13. This includes Hades and the minor gods as well, who will be newly given their own spaces at camp for their children. Additionally, he asks for amnesty for those same minor gods, as well as peaceful titans like Calypso. While he's at it, he also tells them to stop the whole Big Three Pact, because it never really worked anyway. It's a long shot, and the gods make it clear that he asks and presumes much, but Percy holds firm, and the Olympians abide by the oath, declaring his wish approved. 
As he turns to leave, Poseidon calls the honor guard, led by Tyson, and they line up to hail Perseus Jackson, hero of Olympus. So, Jane, what'd you think of these chapters? I I feel bad. We are like we're reaching the the triumphant end of what has been a really good book. Uh-huh. But I thought these chapters were kinda weak. Oh shit, yeah. <laughs> I just I have I have lots of thoughts and things to say and nits to pick. What did you think? I I liked them a lot actually. I could, I kind of I don't know maybe I'll agree with you by the end, but for now I really enjoyed them. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed them. We can talk about the very first chapter very quickly. Yeah, it's it's not much. I mean it's kind of much, but it's I don't know. It's you know Chiron makes his big move. This this is nice. This is something that we've kind of been getting built up towards since probably book two the chiron stuff yeah yeah and and he gets you know destroyed Destroyed effortlessly because of course he is simply a horseman but i like to see the old teacher stand up for his students you know yeah that's that's always a nice moment when the mentor character gets to have their moment uh the whole the whole hades crew rides in i really like that yeah you don't like that? I am a voice of dissent here. Well, tell me your dissent. This is a podcast. My my dissent is that, like, this is the fourth time out of five that we do the whole, all oh, looks lost. Oh, wait, look, here come some previous characters running in at the last minute to save everything. But this is different. Uh, is it's it? It's different. It's, it's different. It's... We just had that whole thing about how good the shit with like Nico and Hades was. It's I, I, listen, I'm not saying that that's bad or that any of the character stuff with them was bad because it wasn't. Uh huh. It's just that the this exact beat has played out several times and it's starting know. to become noticeable. I think it's fine. I think it's normal. I think that's like a normal story beat. I think it, and I know that it's it's the last book, so we need to kind of have all of the fan favorite characters and also the party ponies uh, come back and have an epic moment. Uh-huh. And I just feel like there are, there are different ways to do an epic moment. I mean, I get it, but like... Like, I think comparing, like, the party ponies thing, <laughs> the Silena thing of all things, and this, well, that- that's like, none of those are materially the same in the effect they have on the reader. I suppose. I mean... To, to be clear, this is nowhere near the biggest problem I have with these. This is not the level of nitpick that I'm going to be on for the entire episode. Well, let's, you know, let's, just, like, let's start it off very confrontational. Let's disagree with each <laughs> other loudly. Let's have a bad time this episode. Let's go. Exactly. I don't know. T- tell me about something you liked. Of, of From this first chapter? I yeah. really liked, uh, I don't know. I like, I thought it was cool that uh, Sally and Paul get a little moment. I Yeah, I really like that bit. I especially love that, like, Sally can hold her own. Because that, that was a big part of, like, book one. Was that, like, Sally doesn't need Percy to fight her battles for her. Mm-hmm. And to get that kind of reaffirmed here was really nice. Right, because, like, I don't know. There's a combination of, like, wow, I can see this exact scene. Like, we've gotten to the point where I can just, like, see everything going on in my head so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like, I can just, like, see the exact way that the shots are framed in the fucking TV show of, like, <laughs> Sally, like, suddenly, like, 
shooting a giant and like the look on her face after where she's like just tried it for the first time you know yeah and it's like we we get it from the back of the monster and there's a hole punched through it and you can see sally's face through the hole something like that yeah yeah uh, i'm i'm into it you know what i mean yeah no i i really like that bit i do think the um the chapter title is completely unhinged my parents go commando yeah what the fuck i i was you know i mean that's i mean you know it's like oh commando like oh they're going like all military or whatever i know I, sh- I know what it's supposed to mean but rick <laughs> rick knows what the other meaning is i refuse to believe that he doesn't i maybe he's very innocent he's a school teacher he knows every horrific curse word under the sun and every possible innuendo Maybe they aren't wearing underwear. <laughs> we don't know what they were doing in that car. You know what? That is an extremely good point. They, we don't know what they, they were doing in in that jar. Sorry, in that car with that jar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... The last thing in there isn't hope. It's Rainbow Dash. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm moving us on to... I'm, I'm forcibly... We're done with this chapter now. This is all we're going to say about chapter 18. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, it's, it's short but sweet anyway. It's mostly just the action stuff. Yeah, I mean, so let's, I guess, do you want to talk about the next chapter? The the big Luke stuff? Yes. Is this is this where your problem lies? Yeah, it really is. Okay, what what's, what's your deal? Luke has gotten off incredibly easy. Yeah? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm thinking specifically about the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. where everyone's like oh you were a hero at the end luke you'll go to elysium and it's like ah I'm, I'm not satisfied with that i'll go for three rebirths and try and get into the isle of the blessed and like fuck you dude you're going to the fields of punishment <laughs> uh, i mean <sighs> i understand <laughs> i understand what you're saying i think one i think that moment really works because it's annabeth Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's not like Percy and Grover necessarily crowding around and being like, "You were a hero all along, Luke." Like, if but, per- but it kind of is a little bit. Percy, Percy says that stuff about him later. But he doesn't say that like to. He says that per- that Luke was the hero of the prophecy. But he doesn't say like Luke was a hero all along. But he's like, "Oh, we need we need a, a good burial shroud for the son of Hermes." I think, okay, this is where I think we're, we're like, <laughs> viewing the morality of the series, which is, I think, is, like, it's not taking a super punitive view of things. Like, it's more of, like, hey, I understand why you did these fucked up things. Uh, like, you're not, like, forgiven uh-huh. for them, but, like, I get it, man. It re- and, like, I'm glad that you actually did something to fix it at the end. Um, and the hard feelings remain. I don't know. I I I would have liked something more like that and a bit more explicitly like that. Mm. Like I'm not saying, oh, Luke is irredeemably evil and must never be shown any sympathy in any way whatsoever. Sure. I just feel like, as a redemption, it's. I feel like he needed to work harder for it. Basically, I think narratively it's been justified. Or, like, structurally it's been justified because we've been talking about how Luke feels like he's going to have a redemption moment since book one. That's true, but I... uh, I think 
again, I, I'm not opposed to Luke having this redemption. Uh-huh. But I feel like we're just off the back of the Silena stuff. Uh-huh. And the fact that, like, the conclusion from those chapters was Annabeth going, oh, right, what he did to Silena was absolutely monstrous. Yeah. Like, that wasn't Kronos possessing him, that was Luke doing that. Sure. Piled on top of all the other shit he's done. Sure. I, I feel like to, to truly be, like, redeemed... He needed to do more than just realize at the last second, oh god, I fucked up. I guess I'm just not interested in the redemption aspect. I don't care about that. Like I don't that's, I don't that's fair enough. Like I don't I don't know if that's even something I was trying to take view of. Like uh-huh. it didn't it didn't feel like a moment of like Luke was good, real like it or like it didn't feel like a moment of like ultimately Luke was a pretty good guy. See, that's exactly how it read to me. But like I I mean, yeah, it's we can interpret I think, things. I think we should hash it out, you know what I mean? Because this is like the second to last chapter, like <laughs> episode of the thing. So I think we True. should, you know, talk about it. Like, because, and Luke's, Luke's whole deal has, I, I can agree that I think that like, I think I really liked parts of how he went out. All it would take for me to have liked this scene uh-huh. was for maybe Percy to have taken a slightly harder line on it. And that's it. Like, I completely understand Annabeth being like, oh, you'll go you'll go to Elysium because, like, she cares about him a lot. Uh-huh. Percy has hated him for several books now, and quite justifiably. Totally, totally. I feel totally. like there, sh- there should have been a bit more of a, like, well, it, I guess he was good in the end, and I wasn't completely right about him. But he was also still a bit of a piece of shit. I I think I, I completely agree. Like, I think that this was uh-huh. a little bit too soft. Mm-hmm. I also think that this maybe is a moment where we have to like let character give way and uh-huh. so that the themes of the book can happen. That that is also very true. Because Although it does lead me on to another thing that I'm mad about. Oh sorry, yeah, no, let's finish this. So I think that like there is a functional like there's a functional purpose, which is that this scene needed to happen this way so that next chapter could happen like it did. Yeah. And I think that's like I you can you can there's like cri- there's criticism there, and I think there's important criticism mm-hmm. there, um, but I think it serves that purpose, and I can appreciate it in that way. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. Like maybe sacrificing this scene being a bit tighter in order to serve the next chapter, which is basically like the series thesis statement. Yeah, and I I don't want to get there yet. I want to keep focusing uh. on the Luke stuff. The battle was fine. Yeah, I mean, okay, there, there was one thing in here that I quite, I liked quite a lot. Go, go ahead. Backbiter is back, baby. Backbiter is back, hell yeah. I've, I've been rooting for this for quite some time now. I'm glad that it got to come back at the end. Yeah, Percy goading him into taking the fucking sword out instead of the scythe is real good. Yeah. The Kronos' Chrono, big final, like... I don't know. I think it, the it was not the best fight we've seen in the series, but it was still satisfying. Yeah, and I mean, to to a degree, like a lot of what this book has been building up to is like the big epic hero versus villain confrontation isn't what's going to matter. Exactly. Exactly. I think we've already like we've talked about that a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So I didn't. I didn't need this to be the the another epic anime sword duel. Yeah, but I I still appreciate it for the moments of like cool action that it did have, and sort of yeah. preserving the feeling of like desperation and like exhaustion. I still got all mm-hmm. that in a way that I liked. Yeah, definitely. I feel like 
just in relation to this scene, I kind of understand why it happened because we want to go back to like, you know, the the original trio. We're coming full circle. Yeah. I do feel like it's a bit disappointing that Talia just gets a statue dropped on her halfway there. Yeah, it's that's kind a of bit funny. <laughs> a disservice to the character, I think. Thalia has been shafted a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I and I know she came in in like the third book, but yeah. it does feel like maybe I don't know. Like it, it kind of felt like she was beco- going to become like the new main, like, not the new main character, but like next to like she was going to be the new Grover, I guess. Yeah, if it, it was like she was introduced with like a huge game changing twist at the end of book two. Uh-huh. And she did seem to, like, settle into the team dynamic in a really interesting way in book three. Yeah. And that, I, I don't know, maybe book three just felt so impactful that there are moments of us uh-huh. just kind of, like, wishing it extended further, even though it kind <laughs> of wrapped itself up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, Thalia kind of had her story there. She did, but, like, we've, we've seen that she can be a fun character outside of that. I really enjoyed her in um, Demigod Files definitely definitely and i do kind of feel like maybe maybe it would have been valuable to have her there at the like final confrontation with luke yeah function uh, i mean actually it almost seems like kind of a weird omission because the original four who went to camp half-blood was her grover annabeth and luke yeah so it seems kind of weird that she is just like 100 meters down the hill under a statue <laughs> totally totally I, I I can see it because I do kind of feel like all her feelings about Luke have kind of it's already we already know all of it you know what I mean mm-hmm. she doesn't have like as tense a relationship with him as like Annabeth does yeah I guess, I guess the thing is that like Thali had also already kind of come to terms with it yeah like we, we've talked about this she was a lot more mature when she knew Luke and so she was a lot quicker to go no yeah I can see how he went down that path yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm done with this fucker. Yeah. So I, I kind of would have wanted her there, but I'm also like fine with her not being there. Yeah, and I guess to a degree it would have felt a little bit overcrowded with the main trio plus Kronos plus Luke inside Kronos or the other way around. Also Ethan. Also Ethan. Ethan, uh, I, uh-huh. I, I'm okay. I don't know. Ethan, I wish Ethan was a better character. I think with circling back around to what you were saying before about we're kind of sacrificing some character stuff on the altar of here is the series thesis statement because ethan had to be here like he he has to be here to show off like what the deal with the minor gods is Uh uh-huh on the other hand there's nothing to him beyond that (laughs) i think if some work was done along the way to make him a better character who's like more fleshed out yeah, this would have like, worked better. He, again, he he was strongly characterized in Battle of the Labyrinth. Yeah, but and he's taken up a lot of like a lot of screen time after that in uh, Demigod Files and this. Definitely, but it feels like nothing was really done with him after that. No, yeah, it, it just felt like he was maybe a little bit too static. Like his whole position, he should have been more. I, I don't say this a lot, but I wish he was more flip floppy. I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, that that makes sense if we if we were trying to go for the whole... Because the way Percy convinces him is like, you know, your mother is the god of revenge and therefore also the god of balance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, get, getting something like him being a bit flip-floppy 
and maybe not being 100% dedicated to Kronos would make a lot of sense. Yeah, and I don't know. There's the argument that, like, if he had been a bit more flip-floppy, then maybe the whole thing of, like, the like the disaffectedness wouldn't have worked as well. You know what I mean? I guess, but we also have, like... we ha- If we want, like an example of someone who's completely committed to the whole disaffected thing. We have uh-huh. Luke already. We do have Luke already, but I, I don't know. I guess he is like, it, it is like what we said before. It's like a functional thing of like, we have to get yeah. the minor gods in there. Yeah. And I think, I think his character did suffer for that. Yeah. It just, this is maybe another thing where I'm like, I wish Ethan was introduced a little earlier. Yeah, definitely. Cause he's, he's pretty much just a bit part in battle of the labyrinth. Yeah, and I think maybe if he was like, you know, like a uh, like a like a Beckendorf type or something, mm-hmm. like if if he had been showing up a little bit throughout, then this could have worked better. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, so I, you know, that sucks. Um, I I want to talk about the end of the battle too. Okay. Because I I really like specifically how the way that Luke kills himself is, like, portrayed. Mm-hmm. Because it's not, like, a heroic, like, he pierces the dagger through his heart, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, it it's very slow, it's very painstaking, and it's not slow in the, like, slow-motion, agonizing, like, way. It's in the, ow, fuck, this hurts kind of way. <laughs> yeah, it's almost, like, the drama of it has like it's like all the background music went out of the scene yeah metaphorically and it's just like this guy like lifting his arm up like undoing some armor and like stabbing himself in the armpit and that's like not pretty you know what i mean Mm -hmm. in a way that i think works yeah definitely as much as I'm ragging on it for being a redemption moment, the way this is portrayed is not the, like, sudden burst of light, face turn kind of thing. It is a, like, horrible, ugly thing that he has to do because of the horrible, ugly things that he's done. Exactly, exactly. I, I don't have a lot to say about, like, Typhon. I, I think it was... Do you think Do you think it was handled, like, wrapped up too quickly? Yes, Definitely. Okay. And I also, I, okay, A, the, um, this is the incident number five of previous character comes rushing in to save the day when things look hopeless. Okay. B, and much more significant than that, is the fact that we never see any kind of drawback to Poseidon abandoning his kingdom to come and do this. Right, 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 right. That I was think, weird to me. Yeah, we needed to see a cost for that, for it not to be like, well, why didn't he just do that in the first place? Yeah, I mean, I think what this moment does do kind of well is that this whole series started off as, like, this conflict between the big three. Uh-huh. And this shows the first moment of them, like, uniting in this way. That That is very true. And I do love the bit in the next chapter where Poseidon is, like, poking and prodding at Zeus to get him to thank him. Uh-huh. Like, and- with, with Lightning Thief in mind, that is very funny. <laughs> Definitely. That's why I'm more forgiving of the Hades and Poseidon stuff, I think, because it does uh-huh. just feel like I like that like 
these brothers have been at conflict forever, but also when they do come together, it's like they're fucking unstoppable. Yeah. And like because of that same power, that's why they're at conflict all the time. But so I am kind of into that. But I do think maybe it I, I think if this had been like there had been a moment of like Poseidon like some drawbacks on Poseidon's and maybe some like talking about like what the fuck is going on over in the sea and there still could be i guess yeah yeah i guess so but yeah it feels it feels a bit out of nowhere a little bit um not not in a narrative sense because we know that percy obviously asked him for help but like there wasn't enough set up for what this means no like it 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 feels effective like it feels effective like taking in the series as a whole i think uh-huh like and but i think that to an extent that does like that's another moment of like sacrificing book for series i think that might be a theme that we're hitting on with these chapters i'm not fully against that because i don't know sometimes that is important you know what i mean i'm also sure it's probably not entirely rick's fault no like i'm sure he was working to a page count and publishes breathing down his neck and some shit had to get cut or reduced for time i mean he's putting out like what two books a year pretty soon uh-huh. so, yeah 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 i'm i don't hate it but it's not as good as it could be i guess is what i'll say do we want to talk about like the the final conversation luke and annabeth do have uh yeah sure what do you think of this exact exchange it is. It's. It's a nice conversation. I think I should just ask the specific question I have. All right. Which is, do you think it's kind of weird when he says, "Did you love me?" That's a bit fucked. Like what? Bro, you're like five years older than her. Yeah, it's. It, it, I mean, I. I get it. I guess. And I like how that specific like question resolves. Yeah, I. I. I like that Annabeth is kind of over that hero worshipping crush that she used to have yeah because a lot of her relationship with luke has been kind of trying to figure out what function it has in her life what role it is Mm. and i think a lot of this final book has been doing the work and i guess throughout you know all these books has been doing the work of being like they're a family you know what i mean yeah so that's kind of like the pin in that thing i guess but it does feel kind of weird that the method through which that was executed was luke saying did you love me you were my brother luke i loved you (laughs) like he yeah yeah i i can see i i can see if this was like a movie an actor delivering this in a way that makes it sound not weird or he's like did you love me that or like something with a more like familial or like tone but just like the the words on the page i think make it a bit more like romantic leaning especially because the parallel is put up to like her looking back at percy yeah and i i i I think it's a little bit weird like come on luke you're (laughs) I guess he does. Yeah, in the end, he's still kind of a creepo. Listen, I, I've I've been saying throughout this episode, Luke's kind of a scumfuck bastard. Yeah, and I I guess that I don't know. <laughs> what is that? 
I guess this also points to like a little bit of like Luke is kind of, and we've talked, I think, somewhat about this. I should stop saying, I feel like I say that all the time. Um, Listen, we're just highlighting how good our continuity is and how good our memories are and how we've never forgotten anything ever. That's right. Um, We've talked a little bit about like, oh, like Luke is kind of stuck at a certain age because he got mad at his dad real bad. And yeah, like, and so like that, that kind of is like, okay, but (laughs) this is a cursed, a cursed um, comparison, but it's like how Ben Shapiro never moved past being a quote unquote child prodigy. What the fuck? What are you talking about? (laughs) Because he still acts in that exact same, like, snotty little piece of shit kid way i mean that's true but why do you know so much about ben shapiro um because i like watching youtube video essays that dunk on him i see i i don't like to do that because that requires me to learn more about ben shapiro yeah no it's i shouldn't watch those to be honest (laughs) uh jane i i started this podcast just as like an intervention (laughs) <laughs> uh, I guess speaking of interventions, let's uh-huh. take chapter chapter twenty. Let's go. Let's let's win some fabulous prizes. Uh, unlike chapter nineteen, you love this one. Nope. Okay, you start then. Uh, I I think Hermes has gotten off even easier than Luke for sure. possibly worse crimes. Sure. Like I think. He he pulled some straight up like Jedi Council bullshit. Uh-huh. Where like he got a concerning prophecy about this child mm-hmm. and freaked out about it so hard that he caused the prophecy to come true. Yes. Except he did it on purpose. Okay, well what do you mean by that? Well, cause he's cause he says that he deliberately stayed away from Luke because he didn't want to influence events to the point where it would fuck up that final choice that he makes. Right. But on the other hand, what you could try doing is like even making some any attempt to be a decent father and prevent it from happening in the first place. I don't know totally. we're playing by like Greek prophecy rules and everything turns out to have like an ironic twist. Uh-huh. But I feel like it reflects really badly on Hermes that he didn't care enough about Luke to at least try that. Yeah, I completely agree. Why do you say he gets off easier though? I don't. I don't get what you mean by that. Because Percy is like, oh my god, you had to do it. I see now. I understand why you did the things you did. Maybe you're not that bad after all. Percy says that. When does he say that? It, he's he has a he specifically goes off and talks to Hermes at one point. Like he does? I think after the council meeting concludes. When? Yeah, because uh, what, what are you talking it's about? It's just after the council meeting. There's even after a whole thing about meeting. how George and Martha are like. Like, Hermes is really pissed off, so George and Martha don't say anything to Percy. What? This... I didn't Mandela effect, right? This happened. What are you talking about? (laughs) There's no conversation with Hermes in this chapter, I don't think. What the fuck? Where is it? Are you sure you didn't read an extra chapter? I did read an extra chapter. Fuck. Jane! (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would explain why I thought we were meant to be reading four at the start of this episode. Oh God, Jane! I, I'm sorry. I genuinely didn't realize I'd done that. I just kept reading. <laughs> That's kind of funny. You know, there was a reason <laughs> why I was like, we should pace it a certain way so that we do like the fir- the first two chapters, and then these three chapters like this, and the final three chapters all at once. Listen, I didn't think. Fuck your schedule. I'm going to read four chapters. <laughs> I didn't think at all, which is the problem. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, well, let's anyway, ignore everything that you said then. <laughs> everything I said was uh, a massive spoiler. I'm sorry. It's completely fine. Uh, we. Do you know where to cut yourself off at least? Yes. Okay, okay. so basically just the end of the council meeting. Y- yeah, okay. I mean, I want to talk about this. Okay, how do you feel about this with all, without all that stuff then? Uh, this is this is a pretty decent wrap-up for the series, I think. I agree. To, to go back to a comparison that we made a lot at the start and we kind of uh-huh. dropped off making over time. Uh-huh. This is like the the good timeline version of like Harry Potter or something. Sure, sure, yeah. This this is about as good as you can expect like lib brain fiction to be. I want to talk about that. Okay. Cuz okay. Wait, before I do that, I want to say that when you were like, what about all the stuff with Rachel? <laughs> and I was like, or did you read ahead? And you were like, no. I didn't think I had. I just, it's really funny. <laughs> it's really funny. I'm sorry. I'm so intelligent that I read an extra chapter of the book. <laughs> my brain is swelling in my skull. <laughs> I, I want to get right to the main point that I want to make about this whole part. Let's go. Because Percy has his big fucking series moment here. Absolutely. Percy is offered... I was going to say that Percy is offered a choice here, but Percy isn't offered a choice, right? Percy is fucking told, you're going to ascend to godhood now. The gods say, you're going to become one of us. They, they Basically, they're like, there's only one thing you could possibly want. They're telling Percy that he should become part of the institution of power. He should become one of mm-hmm. them. But... Percy doesn't accept that. He's not he's not given the choice, but he makes the choice. He forces the choice that instead of becoming part of that structure that he knows hurts people, he's going to actually try and change it. Mhm. And I think that's really powerful. Absolutely. It's like it's a really good character moment for Percy as well. It's it's a really good character moment for Percy and it's super well de- this is like exactly what I wanted from I think the series Definitely. where it was never going to be like and all the gods die in a revolution but like Absolutely not. trying to like I think even within the space of like liberal fantasy fiction young <laughs> adult style like yeah. this is beyond what most other series would do. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I, I I probably sounded a bit backhanded when I said it before, but like this is probably like some of the best you can get in that department. Because I don't know, there's just something so good about Percy being like like he isn't going to accept leaving things as they are because of everything that has happened in this entire series. And I just I love yeah, it. I love this chapter for that. It's a great character moment for Percy and it also like Dodge rolls around the thing that we were worried would happen. Uh-huh. Which is the whole... The villain is uh, making good points, but there's evil music playing. And he blew up yeah. some children. Yeah, no, because ultimately it's like, yeah, the Titans were scumfuck bastards. Yeah. But also, like... So if were the, the gods, gods also weren't such scumfuck bastards, they wouldn't have had an army. Exactly. Like, the gods are also jerks and very consistently shown as jerks definitely that's that's always been one of the great things about this series and i like that this doesn't back down on that absolutely yeah 
I uh, hmm. I guess I have to like retroactively raise these chapters in my estimation. Uh huh. Because the Hermes shit was part of why I was putting the boot into them so hard. Okay, and in, in, <laughs> instead, in the last episode about this book, you'll hate it. Absolutely. It's okay. <laughs> let's let's see how that goes. But I'm I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm really into it. I I do think um part of Percy's specific wish is kind of funny to me. Uh huh. Because I understand what he's saying. I understand that like you know, everybody should have a space at Camp Half-Blood. Everybody mm-hmm. should be allowed to be there. Everybody should get their own, you know, all the gods should get their own space, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's a big fucking camp, too. We've seen the map. It has space. Yeah, it's huge. It's really funny thinking about the first book where Percy was the only person in his cabin. <laughs> and thinking about, like, some poor kid of, like, fucking, I don't know, some really obscure minor sea god who's going to... something. Yeah. Who's, like, going to be the only one ever in their cabin. (laughs) It's like, Percy, I think you're doing a good thing. I also think it's really funny how, like, you're just, like, definitely going to cause that same thing to happen to more kids. True. On the other hand, I feel like he is dealing with literal divine beings here. Yes. They they can make that situation work. Oh, absolutely. I I think that given like changing the structure so that like th- like there wasn't if if there hadn't been that stigma, like Poseidon would have had more kids, you know what I mean? Like if, if yeah. the big three pact hadn't happened that way. Um and and like P- Percy would have had more of like siblings in his cabin. Mhm. I'm kind of in two minds about something. Sure, sure, sure. What is it? I'm trying to decide if this is, like, Rick Riordan's big societal critique about the nature of the entire, um, like, American culture and society and stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Or if this is just, like, Rick Riordan, school teacher, saying, hey, support disaffected kids. I think it's both. Probably a bit of both, yeah. But I think that he does have that experience where it's probably, like, more of the latter in, yeah. even if not in the intention, I think a lot of that comes through in that way. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, the whole thing with Camp Half-Blood is that they're a bunch of, like, ADHD, dyslexic, like, little kids running around, yeah. being able to learn in their own way. With lava. And killer ants. And also killer ants. Hey, but um, I should have asked them to get rid of the killer ants. <laughs> Percy, why didn't he? He was throwing in so much shit there. Why didn't he say like, oh, "Also, get rid of the killer ants, please"? <laughs> I just think it was really funny how he was like, "Okay, like, here's my one wish. I want you to make sure that all the children of the gods are recognized." And like, of course, under that falls like all the minor gods being recognized and everybody uh-huh. having a place at camp. But also give a pardon to all my friends. And, like, my ex. <laughs> um, and also, stop the whole big three-pack. Who cares? Who cares? To, to be fair, compared to ascending to godhood, I feel like he can get away with having a few smaller wishes instead of just one big one. I think so. I, I what, what would Percy be the god of? I, I assume the implication was that he was going to be, like, one of Poseidon's lieutenants, so he would have just been a sea god, right? Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel maybe he'd be like, I don't know, the the god of rescuing drowned sailors or something. I feel like he'd Ooh. be into doing that. The god of, hmm, 
the problem is if you try to think too if you try to think too deeply about it and what it would mean for Percy's character, what you inevitably arrive at is he would never take that. <laughs> no, he would never do that. Like, and I, I love that he's that strongly characterized. And I do like the thing of like all the gods have this like like simultaneously like oh we'll have to deal with a new one you know but and they're also <laughs> really playful about it in a way that's kind of terrifying yeah because like we, we've met hestia in this book uh-huh she got kind of fucked over by all this stuff happening definitely and meanwhile yeah. the gods are like oh that'll be kind of fun yeah like, oh that'd be kind of cool if we made a new one like like, it's not like hey Dionysus, a... guess what? First one in, last one out. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> However that goes. First one in, first one out is I think what you would say. That that's the one. Uh, or I guess last. No, one last in, first last one, one out. in, first one out. So I just said it entirely the wrong way around. Whatever. Yeah. But yes, P- Percy really strongly characterized. What do you think about? I guess the other like everything else that happens here with like the all their other wishes. Um. Hmm. I wonder if I wonder if Percy's going to get with Calypso. You think so? Well, not not to be a spoiler, but one of the chapter titles is "I Am Dumped." <laughs> okay. So I think Annabeth is going to kick him to the curb. So it might be that Percy decides to uh, go back to that old flame. That's a possibility. I mean, to be clear, I'm not saying oh he just got Calypso out so that he could date her. But I'm just saying the possibilities on the table now. Percy revealed as a fucking devious, like, <laughs> like... He's been doing this whole thing just to get back with Calypso. Okay, but how cool would it be if, like, he and Calypso had, like, stayed on the island and plotted and come up with some, like, insane master plan to break her out? That would be really cool, actually. I would, yeah. like, write that fanfic. <laughs> I I still have so much fondness for Calypso in my heart. That that's such a good chapter, is the thing. Yeah, it's it still might be like singularly the best chapter of Percy Jackson so far. Yeah, sixteen seventeen kind of give it a run for its money, but just as a singular chapter, I think that one takes it. Definitely. Hey, I really hate the bit where um Ares is there with Clarice. Uh-huh. I just I don't like how it's worded at all. Or it's like I don't know. Something about the way it's written makes me very uncomfortable. Where it's like, oh, Clarice came up and she looked worried that Ares was going to start hitting her, but eventually she started smiling. I mean, I don't think there's any... I feel like that's pretty, like, realistic because I, she's, no, like... I, I understand that it is completely realistic for, like, what an abusive piece of shit Ares is. Uh-huh. I feel kind of mad that this is, like, Clarice's triumphant moment at the end of the series. Sure, yeah. And that 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 triumphant moment involves getting validation from Ares. And I feel like the the character arc that she deserved was learning that she didn't need that and being able to break away from it. Yeah. I I wish Clarice we I mean, we're part of the Clarice Defense Squad, right? Absolutely. So Clarice spin off when? So I would love a book where Clarice is able to learn that. I I don't think she had this the space for that in this book. Well, Rick could have very easily fixed that by simply taking our suggestion to have this book be a Percy, Nico, Clarice adventure. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Just, you know, tri- I, I, I would have like, you know, like triple it in length, maybe. <laughs>
we get to do this podcast I mean, we, longer. We need, to, we need to fit in every part of uh, Percy's transition if we're just rewriting. Oh, yeah, the part where Percy goes on hormones, uh, <laughs> puberty, puberty blockers, uh, the part where um, uh, she picks out a new name. Exactly. Uh, uh, and and what is that name, Jane? Go. Um, Sakura. What? We're, we're going right back to like the first episode where we said that Percy likes Naruto. <laughs> Holy fuck! <laughs> oh god! <laughs> oh, we're wrapping it all up, folks. I, I, I was happy for Tyson. I was happy for Annabeth happy yeah, for it's, Grover even it's nice for like all, all of the like major characters we've had over the series to come back and get something cool except for Clarice Clarice deserves better Clarice deserves better I, I like that that I like that that tension is still there though you know what I mean oh yeah no I'm not I'm absolutely not rooting for like oh Ares suddenly learns to be good actually it's not just that it's also that I think that there is a point to which like it's kind of too early to have this resolution of that plot line for Clarice, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, to be, like, I guess, like, if we're, like, I think there is a point to which, like, realism to these kinds of relationships is trying to be portrayed in a certain way, or, like, the, yeah. at least the essence of it. And I think that, like, this isn't simple enough, I guess. Yeah, I... I don't know, if... If you're not going to resolve it, I feel like it was kind of a weird choice to, like, immediately explicitly call out, oh, no, that's what Clarice is worried about in this situation. I don't know. I, I think I just disagree. I I just, I think it's really good, um, like, a reminder, like, hey, uh, this is, like, this is what this series is about. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I suppose that is kind of the thing that, like, the relationship between the gods and the kids has always been portrayed as, like, very domestic. Yeah. So I think having that reminder in there that like this is a bad relationship that uh -huh. also Clarice does still like this is how like human relationships work, you know what I mean? Like this like Clarice does still get like a certain amount of like good feelings out of her father praising her because he doesn't do that. Yeah, true. I don't know. Maybe 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 we'll get continued Clarice character arc later. I would love a continued character clar cleric Cleric, 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 arc, a cleric arc for her. <laughs> uh the Dionysus moment. I really like that. Ah, uh, yeah, it's it's nice to see Dionysus acknowledge that Percy exists. It's always good. <laughs> um, I guess that's I guess that's it. I did start crying. Uh, at, at the Aww. end of this, I I started crying when the fucking the honor guard came up and it was Tyson and he, you know. He was hailing Percy, and it was really good. Yeah, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm I'm glad that Tyson recovered as well as he did. Rocky Star now definitely one of the best characters. Oh, for sure. Uh do we have much else to say here? Uh, let me let me check my sheet of notes. And That's about disregard Hermes. anything that happens <laughs> in chapter twenty-one. Blackjack gets jacked. <laughs> Hey, that's another fucked up chapter title. <laughs> I think you're just you just have a bad brain. I, 
I just put a, a highlight on the internet where you talked about Gabe Ugliano, ugly bastard hentai, so I will not take any accusations of having a bad brain from you. Listen, we can both have a bad brain, that's fine. <laughs> oh, the one absolutely minuscule thing that I just thought was kind of funny. Yeah. And I need to get out of my brain. Go ahead. I just thought it was funny how um, the statue that falls on Thalia... Uh-huh. Is like specifically noted as oh, it would take several cyclopes to lift this. Oh yeah. And then a few chapters later, several cyclopes arrive <laughs> to lift this. That's really funny, actually. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like that. Like that. Like I don't know how to say it. Like literal humor. Humor. Yeah. There's a certain cadence to it that makes me laugh. Yeah, I mean, you, you didn't lie to us, Rick. You were you're completely right. <laughs> Thalia didn't even get, like, a super good wish, honestly. Yeah, it was just, your life will go back to normal. She was like, I like, I kind of, like, like oh, all the, the hunters will be given an express spot to Elysium or whatever. Like, that's okay, cool. But also it's like, oh, like, I don't know, she didn't get, like, a cool new sword or something? I don't know, I f- at least. I feel like Thalia deserved and would want one singular free kick at her dad wherever she yeah. wants and he's not allowed to defend himself that'd i feel like really she's heard good. that <laughs> if thalia had been the one given the one wish i think that'd probably be it yeah i think she she definitely earned that uh fuckzeus.com absolutely don't go to that I, that that could be anything be careful yeah yeah maybe don't yeah i uh with, with, with me having to excise the hermes stuff these chapters were okay the last set were always going to be a really hard act to follow, I guess. Well, I don't know if I... They didn't reach the peaks of, like, Silena, but I think that uh-huh. they were consistently pretty good. And I think any set of chapters that says, like, really firmly, here's the strong thematic stance I'm taking will always appeal to me in a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, actually challenges and examines some of the book's status quo. <laughs> Definitely. Joanne. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> yucky yucky um but i guess that's it for today that's it for today this is my fault for flipping ahead a few pages and thinking that i'd seen a part where like luke is awkwardly saying hi to thalia what the, i i was like flipping through my copy of the book and i accidentally went a bit too far ahead and i swear that what i saw was like luke awkwardly saying hi to thalia after, like, Kronos had exited his body or something with his true form. What the fuck? So that's kind of what I was waiting for. So oh might, my god. That might be part of why I was so dissatisfied with the way the redemption actually went. Oh, I thought Jane. it was going to go in a much more developed direction. You made up a guy. <laughs> I made up a chapter to be you mad at. You made up a chapter to get mad at, and then you got <laughs> mad at it live on air. <laughs> oh, Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. Wait, we forgot our segment. Oh, fuck. We need to do a segment. Percy Jackson characters are not so sad. That's true. Uh, fucking... That, that, the problem we've run into... Uh-huh. ...is that these chapters are all about returning characters. Uh-huh. Almost all of whom we have given this segment to at some point or another. Let's give it to Paul. He yeah. was in th- he was in theater at one point. That, you know what? That's a very good point. <laughs> he learned a little bit of swordplay. He learned a little bit of swordplay. I'm I'm gonna give it to um, 
Ethan Nakamura. Uh huh. Um, he was not sufficiently characterized for anything. Uh huh. So we can project whatever the fuck we want onto him. So fair. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to us today. Thank you. Next time we'll be finishing the book, so get ready for that. I'm sure that we will do a big cry. Probably. But for now, if you'd like to reach the show, you can check us out at Unwise Girls on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash unwisegirls. Get all our links to our Discord server, uh, email, uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash unwisegirls. You can support us uh, rating, reviewing, but also going to that Patreon link and giving us a certain amount of money a month that really helps. Um, $1 a month, you get the special Discord role of Camp Counselor. Uh, $3 a month, you get all of our bonus content. Uh, as well as a special Discord role of Friend of Dionysus, $5 a month. You get a uh, special Discord role of Aphrodite's Chosen, all of our bonus content. Some of that includes like talking about Doctor Who, uh, uh, talking about Homestuck. We're going to be restarting the um, Rick Riordan's Thrace Navari series yeah. soon. Um, so that'll be up on the main feed eventually, but like for now, just contained to the bonus feeds. It's not guaranteed to go up on the main feed. You know, maybe, maybe subscribe anyway. Don't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure, you know, make sure to, I'm I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the description for the last bonus episode, which I wrote at about 2am when I was very tired. Uh huh. Uh, And what I am now discovering is that I wrote... Russell T. Davies is swaggering back into Doctor Who's writer's room with his big fat sack dragging across the floor. Did you really write that? (laughs) Why did you write that? I didn't... (laughs) Why did you write that? I didn't know you wrote that. You didn't tell me that. You sent me like a different... I just wrote whatever the fuck. You sent me like a different description and were like, is this okay? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then you wrote something else. I did I? I think so. Holy shit! You didn't uh, send me that. <laughs> okay. No, uh, I asked you about also... the title, but um, I guess yeah, I just no, I didn't. I didn't ask about the description. I guess. I guess not. Uh, you also get a shout out at the end of our bonus <laughs> episodes for five dollars a month. You get uh, Jane say it. Uh, all the people who can listen to Russell T Davies dragging his nutsack across the ground are uh. Mercy, Veronica Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode... See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye-bye. Bye.